0: Okay, coming to you from the increasing cold here in Holland. This is episode 62 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. I am Adam Piggott. Sitting next to me is the Duke, my cat. No, he's just buggered off. Um, And um, yeah, it's uh, definitely, we had the air change on Sunday. And uh, autumn is definitely here. It is now officially... I'm back in Europe time. You know you're back in Europe when you open the window in the bathroom in the morning and uh, you close it again very, very, very quickly. Or I should say it's Northern Hemisphere time again, like the top of the Northern Hemisphere. Um, So that's all getting real. I enjoy the cold. I enjoy it. I'm a cold guy. I'm a cold guy. I'm also a heat guy too. I enjoy the heat. What What I enjoy is having both. So that you can appreciate one or the other with the 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 balance of, you only really appreciate the heat if you've had the cold. I mean, where I'm from in Perth, it's always sunny, it's always blue sky, the wind's always off the desert from the east in the morning and then it dies and it comes in the sea breeze in the afternoon from the west and it's 35 degrees Celsius and I don't know, what's that 100 degrees Fahrenheit all the time. This is boring, boring weather, boring, sent me balmy. absolutely balmy. Place I love the most for weather was the, the Italian Alps. The mist coming through the mountains. Um, really. The thunderstorms on a summer afternoon, big thunderheads that had suddenly arrived from nowhere. The snow coming down in the winter, big snowflakes, like like just pelting down, slow like snow like you've never seen snow before. And the silence in the snow the heavier it got the greater the depth of the silence because the whole the snow deadens the world around you it deadens sound just amazing um, so i'm not obviously not having that uh, that great um, snow time probably in holland unless this winter's a bonza mate a bonza as we say in australia she's a bonza that means really good bonza mate she's a bonza yeah mate she's a bonza and by the way, she could just mean like a car. Oh, she's a bonzer, mate. That's a ripper car. Oh, oh, that's bonzer mate. Oh. Is that is that a is that a four point one? Is that a four point one? Four point two? Four point two. Oh, it's a four point. It's a four point two. Oh Yeah, that's how we are talking in Australia. Um, but I'm not in Australia, as I said, I'm in Holland um interesting week this week on the blog um i posted up that uh i'm thinking of getting a a little farm like a hobby like a side thing people were thinking oh my god adam i got all these comments on it which was great because i put this up and i was like Oh uh, man, if I only get one or two comments on this, I'm just, because people ask me, they're like, oh, stop talking about the feminazis all the time. Stop talking about the patriarchy being better than the feminazis. Stop talking about the whites and the black. Stop talking about the men not being, there. all right, okay, okay. I said, all right, okay, fine. I'll put up, I'll put up something personal about how the good wife and I are looking for an abode to purchase in Holland our very first house purchase for either one of us neither of us has ever owned a house i'm 46 the good wife is 38 um so this is this is a big deal for us you know this is a big deal and i'm like i'm looking at it going well you know this Let's, can we think of your options here? Maybe I'd like to have it look it's gonna be one of two things. it's either going to be right in the guts of a city and when I'm in the guts the guts like a big terrace Dutch merchant terrace house sort of thing, five stories high with really steep staircases really steep. because uh, if'm I'm, if, I'm, if I'm in a city, God damn it I want to be in a city. If you're going to put up with the disadvantages of being in a city, I want the advantages. And for me, the advantages are you walk out your front door and you're in it. Your bar, your favorite little wine bar is five doors away. Your favorite little coffee shop's over there. I've got the little place that sells the brilliant butcher is just around the corner there. I can just get on my bike and go around the corner and sit in that cafe on the riverbank and watch the university girls. That's. Why I'm in a city. Don't don't put me out in the periphery. So I've got all the disadvantages of a city, but now I haven't got the advantages either. I walk out my front door and... Uh, that's been my golden rule, man, through my life. I'm going to live in a city, it's in the guts. So I lived in Sydney, I lived in Potts Point. That's the guts. I lived in Melbourne, South Yarra. The guts. Any other city I've done, it's always been as close to the centre as I possibly can. And in a nice area close to the centre, I mean Potts Point. It's a really nice suburb, South Yeah, It's a really nice suburb. Be in the guts, be in the good area. Right? It's going to be in. So we're going to be in the city. So it's either look, it's going to either going to be in the guts of the city, and which city as yet or area we are not sure. But I will tell you that tomorrow, I am doing a little trip with a good wife down to a city in the south of Holland. Called Maastricht. Now I've already gone and checked it out once, and I was very impressed. It's a really cosmopolitan Sydney in a good way, because cosmopolitan in Europe now means it's full of illegal African economic immigrants. You know? That's not what I mean by cosmopolitan. I meant the old Paris in the twenties cosmopolitan. That's what I'm talking about, people. Yeah, not modern issue. Fucking hell. So we're going down to Maastricht. We're going to spend a couple of nights there. We've got some places, some real estate to check out. Um, Maastricht is the capital of Lindbergh. It's kind of like the hilly forested area of Holland. And when I say hilly, I'm like talking gentle, undulating bumps, you know, like acne on a teenager's face. Um, but It's very pretty. Now I've been warned that Lindberghers are weird. and Everyone's like, oh, all the Dutchies are like, oh, yeah, yeah you don't want to go there because uh, all the Lindberghers, they don't speak the proper Dutch. You won't understand them. I'm like, I don't understand you lot anyway. I'm having to learn the language from scratch. What do I care if I have to go down there and learn the Lindberghers bloody dialect? I don't care. Mm-hmm. Fine by me. Okay now. So we're going to Maastricht. I've been to Maastricht already. The good wife hasn't, so she needs to check it out. I think she's going to like it. We're checking out one particular building in Maastricht, which I'm quite hopeful about. Touchwood, Quietly hopeful on this one. It's got everything that I like in a building. It's got a brilliant cellar. I love a good cellar. This one's a great one. It's one of those traditional... It's like the building's like 400 years old. The cellar's all the brickwork, the arched brickwork old, redone too, it's all been repaved. oh beautiful, love a good seller, why do I love a good seller? Well, (laughs) I can pop in the car and pop over to the Trentino in the Italia, I can buy up all of the great cheese wheels that are there, and the lovely Speck and Lucanica salamis, and then I can go back and put them in my cellar with all of the cartons of the wines that I also purchased on my delicatessen adventure. And then there they stay in the cellar for me to consume. Cellars are also a good place for the bros. Now, I don't have the bros as yet in Holland. I'm I'm at at bro zero. (laughs) It's bro zero. I don't have any bros. I don't have any bros. As in friends. I got none. I got none. I got none in Holland. Zero. Absolutely none. Um, like, Adam. You've been there three or four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't really been committing. I've met some. Look, I've met some good guys that that could be bros, but I haven't been committing because in the back of my mind, I knew that the good wife and I still had to, to determine. Where in Holland we are gonna be? Once we've bought our place, then I'll start working on the, the bros' side of it. But a cellar is really good for the bros, for your mates, to do as well. You put a little table in the middle of it. Yeah, got your wine down there. Play some poker. Talk shit. Talk shit. Might put my Bang & Olufsen turntable down there. Hmm. Yeah. Now we're talking, baby. Now we're talking. Get some tunes so the cheese matures well, listening to the dulcet strains of houses of the holy or something like that. So, you know, my, our options are either in the guts of the city or in the countryside. But the good thing about the Dutch countryside, like I said, the countryside means about 4K from the city, 5K. ma nah, maybe 5K, 5, 6 k that's it. I don't know what that is. Miles, four miles, something okay. Um, and then a bit of land, like three or four acres of land. Uh, my idea was pigs, and then I did this. Oh yeah, back to the thing. So I did this this piece because people were be like talking about you're talking too much about the the feminists, and we don't care about the feminists that much. You talk about them all the time on your blog, so write about them all the time. So I did this personal post, and I got like over 20 responses. It was really good. But the problem was is that everyone started saying, oh, pigs are really smelly. Now, I know intensively farmed pigs are really smelly, but I had the idea that pasteurized, or pigs on pasture, not pasteurized, pigs on pasture, like just grazing underneath apple trees or something, would be less smelly. But no, no, no. Everyone went apeshit, and then the good wives came home one night and went, ah, I think we're not going to do the pig idea. And I'm like, you've been reading the fucking blog, haven't you? She's like, yep, <laughs> I betcha. Oh, God. And to understand this, you understand that the, the amount of times, 10 years that the good wife and I have been together, 10 years, the amount of time that she stepped, stepped up and said, no, nah, don't want to do that. I can count on one hand and I don't have to use all my fingers. It's very, very, very unusual for the good wife to step in and veto an idea. But on this one, she vetoed. And I respect that because I veto her ideas all the fucking time. So uh, I was like, all right, all right, we're a team. You don't want to do the pigs. I want to do the pigs. So if we do go to small ho- oh I, I and I ordered a whole bunch of books on pigs, by the way, before she came home and said this. So I have Stories Guide to Raising Pigs. Uh all of Amazon now. Useless to me. Getting started in pig keeping. Haynes Pig Manual, the complete step-by-step guide to keeping pigs. Well, fuck me. hundred bucks down the drone. Oh, some other one. I've got two other ones around the place. Um so if we do do the small holding thing, I'm gonna say it's gonna be like orchids, orchards, not orchids, are flowers, orchards like pears or apples or whatever the fuck grows in Holland, uh, and then maybe um, some chickens, ducks, and geese that are allowed to run around underneath the orchards eating all of the slugs and stuff like that. I think that's the maybe a sheep or two. I think that's the that's the max we're going for here. Um, so we got about we got about. Down in Maastricht, we've got about three or four places we can check out. Two in the city and three of yeah, about five or six places. Two in the city and four outside the city. Um, so we'll see how we go with that. Um, what else is happening this week? on On Saturday night, I went to a, uh, I went to a family get together. It was a birthday party. I have uh, I suppose my uncle in law? Yeah, is that what you, what you call it? Your uncle in law? I don't. My father-in-law's brother. He's a good guy. My uncle-in-law. Uh, I get on very well with him. And uh, it's his birthday and his daughter's birthday. She's twenty-two or something. So it was about it was about a forty-minute drive away. Drove the in-laws up as well. Um, because the good wife and I have the the new car now. So I went up there, and. You've probably all since I've moved to Holland, you've all been like, you know, I've been saying all the good things about the Dutch, how Holland's this, and it's amazing, and, and it is, but there are also negative aspects. And one of the characteristics of the Dutch that annoys the fuck out of me, I mean, absolutely annoys, and annoys the, the, the crap out of my wife as well, even though she is Dutch. And she warned me about this years years before. She'd warned me about it, and I didn't really pay attention to it, because it's like, it's like warning... Warning: A kid, don't touch the stove. It's hot. The the kid doesn't know what hot means. Yeah, man, you need to t- you need to touch the stove all for yourself. That's how that's how it works, boys and girls. That's how it works. So her her the characteristic the trait that my wife warned me about of the Dutch was that they have to have an opinion about any everything or anything and everything, even if they have absolutely no clue in the world what it is they're talking about they at the topic at hand they still have to have an opinion this can be highly annoying as was demonstrated to me on saturday night so we go to this party, and I'm standing there, and there's a few people. I know quite a few people. And everyone wants to talk to me because I'm the Australian guy that moves to Holland, and they all think that that's completely insane. Um, so I'm standing there, and I'm talking. There was a good wife who was next to me, and then we were talking to one of her cousin's new boyfriends, nice young guy, about 23, studying to get into uh, become an airline pilot with the Dutch airline KLM. Um and uh he's got his he's passed his first two exams, he's got a third one in a couple of weeks, and you know, he's a nice guy. And there was someone else, there's four of us in a little group having a nice chat. And this Dutch guy, uh in his early fifties, probably, really tall, looming, some sort of professional dipshit just comes up and when duchies come up they don't like stand on the on the peripheries of like a little conversation and then let everyone kind of edge away and then you know gradually work out where everyone's at and then let themselves flow into the conversation no they just come up and they'll just like they'll just it kills whatever, you could have been talking about the most important thing in the history of life, the universe and everything, it doesn't matter. They're just gonna come up and stick out their hand and introduce themselves and and now they're there. And whatever it is that you were talking about, that doesn't matter anymore because they're there and they're now talking at you, not with you. So this this prick, and he, he, he worked quickly, I, I took I'm talking about 10 nanoseconds to work out these but you know when they when people look at you like they peer at you like they're looking at at something in an aquarium like you're behind the glass you're in the fish tank and they're looking they're examining it felt like when he was looking at you he was examining you you know and dutchies all especially from the north and central holland they always want to put you in a box what's your name what do you do from a job? Which means C. How much money do you earn? Which means D. Do you theoretically theoretically earn more than me or less than me? So that E. Now I know how I should treat you. That's what the the run start duchies do. In particular, it's like in the central Holland where all the business takes place. Now that's one of the reasons we're we're moving down to the south, which is a bit more Catholic and a bit more laid back. So he's. Uh, Straight away, he's like, "Oh, you know, what do you do?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I've just uh, moved here from Australia, still getting my network sorted out." And straight away, not knowing, not knowing any of my background, any of the circumstances about what's going on, not knowing anything about what I'm trying to achieve here with with earning money and and the things that I'm that I'm setting up over time launches into this monologue of what I need to do and uh, how I need to do it, and rah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And, and this was the second time I'd, I'd already copped an earful from some other older woman who, who just walked up and started lecturing me on what I needed to do to find a job. And I, I was just looking at going, and she was like, she was the sister, the aunt, blah, blah, blah. So I had to, in any other circumstance, I would have been very, very sarcastically cutting Oh really sweetheart. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, fuck. I wish I'd I'd even had a, a job at McDonald's, but at the age of 46 I've never worked a day in my life. <sighs> are you are you on LinkedIn? You should be on LinkedIn. You should be Are you on LinkedIn? Fucking dog. Are you, on, are you on LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you waving a finger in my face, you know, 70 years of age, and just fucking die already. Oh, and you want LinkedIn? By the way, LinkedIn's good for nothing. The only thing that LinkedIn is good for is to check out how much your ex-colleagues lie about themselves. That is the only th- entertainment value. That is the only thing that LinkedIn is good for. The entertainment value of seeing the absolute utter dipshits that you were forced, unfortunately, to work with in the past that did absolutely nothing, that were a total disaster, that were the laziest pieces of shit, that the only thing they could do was suck up to the hierarchy and they couldn't even do that properly. The only thing that LinkedIn is good for is to laugh yourself stupid looking at their profile and seeing how much they lie. That's the only thing that LinkedIn is good for. Yeah, what LinkedIn? You, fuck off your old bag. You want LinkedIn? I didn't ask you to tell me how to find a job. So I'd already had this old bitty. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I get the, the the looming giant. Oh, 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 this is how he starts off. He's a banker. Oh, fucking, of course he is. Why don't they just call him? wankers? I work for a wank. I'm a wanker. He's a banker. And he starts off. He starts off immediately how his job is in the bank is to do the annual report and his annual report that he did that year won the Dutch Annual Report Award. <laughs> this is how he introduced himself to us. And I'm just looking sideways at the good wife and she's just looking at me going, Oh my God, we've got a live one. We've got a live one, Johnny. Johnny, we've got a live one. Fucking hell. Oh, really? <laughs> they had given an award out for... Uh, for an annual report, do they? And I said jokingly to the us to my good the good wife, Oh, it's almost like Australia where they give you an award for, you know, getting out of bed and tying your shoelaces in the morning. And he kind of peers at me and, and went, do, do do they do do they do that? Do, 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 oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, do they oh, I can't do a fucking Dutch accent. It's so Swedish. And so he's like He's talk about, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm mean, well, you know, the thing the thing. I said to her, the thing that's important, I said, when you, when you move internationally and you're not being moved with a firm, it's not a relocation, but you're moving over and you're starting again from zero. You're not going there for a job. It's go there and start from zero again, which is what I've done. And it's not the first time in my life I've done it. And if anyone who's got any idea of what I've done in my life would know of how many times. I've done this. How many times I've reinvented myself. I'm probably the world's foremost expert on rocking up and starting from zero. And I'm doing it again. And I said to him, look, the thing that you really have to do when you rock up in a brand new country is you have to begin building your network. And he started off with some blather and I said, no, not just a professional network, but a complete network. Like, just take for instance that you've got a problem in your house, some sort of maintenance problem. You can't fix it yourself or even you, you can fix it yourself. But where's the good shop to go? Your network also includes the, the stores that you go to. And the people, that, when you walk into the store, they go, oh, hey, what's up? That's a network, or a network is having a good plumber who's gonna do the job right and not be extortionate. A network is, is you need a hand to move some stuff, and you can call up a couple of guys to help you. That's a network. It's a, a, there are social networks, real social networks, not stupid stupid websites like Facebook, but real social networks, and then professional networks, and sometimes they also overlap. The social network can turn into the professional network for you. And that's happened a lot in my life. You've got to plough a lot of ground. You've got to plant a lot of seeds. You've got to do a lot of watering. You've got to do a lot of cultivation. And then you start seeing rewards happening and stuff. And before you know it, you've got more to choose from than you're able to handle. He looks at me. And I explain this in a I don't know how I explain it, but I explain it in a nice way. I was not dismissive. I was not put down. He looks at me. And he goes, "Oh yeah, well that's one way to do it." And I was just like, you know, the red the red curtain just dropped. The red mist descended. I didn't lose it, but I was like, well, how many uh, how many countries have you lived in, mate? How many times have you moved overseas and started again from zero? And he's like, oh. I've, 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 I said, have you worked in this? Lived, or worked in the same town your whole life? And he goes, oh yeah, yes, yes, of course. I said, so what do you mean that's one way to do it? Well, what are the other ways? Please, please enlighten me, sir. I said to him in front of everyone, please enlighten me on all of the other ways that this can possibly be done if you're turning up to a place and you're starting from zero. Please, go forth, go forth and enlighten me i'll be absolutely riveted by the way there are other ways i'm not saying my way is the other, only way you can volunteer volunteering is a great way for social and professional networks you can go out and get the most shitty fucking job you ever had uh, and start from there and do your social and professional networks and that's also very good for learning the language There are lots of ways to do this. But I was genuinely intrigued to hear from Mr. Dutchy. I have to have an opinion on fucking everything to tell me exactly what he had in mind when he said, oh, that's one way to do it. (coughs) There's one time I just wanted to snot someone right in the face. His big plaster, his big, fat, ugly Dutch nose all across his stupid fucking banker's face. That was the moment. But I didn't. I, uh, suffice to say, he didn't have anything. But I didn't let him off the hook. You will be pleased to know. No, I did not let him off the hook. I made him realise the supreme fucktardery of his initial statement. And the good wife enjoyed everything. Every moment of it. By the way, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't go out of control here, but I just I just let him know, in no uncertain terms, that he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, and I didn't have to listen to him again for the rest of the night. What a douchebag. So this is this is one of the negative traits of Dutchies, especially up around the start area in the central part of Holland. They have to have an opinion on absolutely everything. If I don't know something about pig farming, I don't know anything about pig farming. I do know that I'm very good at picking stuff up because I'm smart as fuck and I'm very diligent and hardworking. So if other people can do it, I can do it, but I start off knowing zero. Zero! I know zero. I'm happy with that. So if I'm standing there and someone's, just moved overseas. And I've never moved overseas before in my entire life. What I'm going to say is stuff like, how hard is it, man? I've never done that. Is it really hard? What challenges do you have? How tough is it? Yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, is it worth it? Would you, how much of a co- how much of an opportunity cost is it? That's what I'd be saying, unless I'm a Dutchie moron. So I just wanted to put this little anecdote out there. I mean, you might get, listening to my podcast and reading on my articles on my blog, you might get the idea that Dutchiesville is like a little slice of heaven. But like anywhere in the world, there's the good and the bad. To be perfectly fair, the good here far outweighs the bad, and the good here far outweighs the good in any other part of the world at the moment that I'm aware of. Um, but this is one of those little things. I'm pretty sure that any Dutchies who are listening to this podcast are nodding their heads and going, yeah, we always have to have a fucking opinion about everything. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 uh. I mean, I bet the Dutchies have got an opinion about how to fight the Germans. Oh, that's not how you fight. Them. Really? How long did you last? How many minutes? You copped out of the first world war on the second one you blinked and it was over. Few bombs on Rotterdam. As Ah, oh, if no, you have the bombs on the Rotterdam. We have to give up Fucking hell, losers. All right, what else has been going on this week? Um, so I had the the, the p- piggery thing there. Uh, that was I've got notes here that I need to talk about. Um, I just there's some there's some interesting shit. Like 2017, at the start of 2017. You ever said this is going to be an interesting year? Like we're coming up today's the date. Oh, by the time this comes out, it's the first of November for this podcast. So look, it's a week away to one year of Donald Trump, one year of winning, and and we said this was 2017 was going to be a really interesting year, and it seems like um, it's all kind of culminating. If you look at the U.S. front you've got the whole Russian snow job, which was pure projection. And I'd like to say it was misdirection on the part of the Democrats, but why would you misdirect when no one was directed there in the first place? I suppose it was misdirection because Hillary was kind of certain that Donald Trump was going to put her in jail since that's where he said she needed to be. So maybe it was misdirection and the biggest thing they could come up with was the biggest thing they'd done. But that's all starting to come to a head now, and it's not looking good for them at all. And it looks like Trump has done the long, slow boil. Uh, it's getting very, very interesting. What else is very interesting? There's a book that's come out that shows, it came out this week. I saw a thing on it. I'm going to link to it in my in my post of the week. Um, but hang on, where is it? I've got it here. Uh, left-wing Oakland... Um, Antifa radicals, now it turns out, have worked with ISIS, even traveled to Europe and to Syria to meet with ISIS. This is Antifa to get techniques on terrorism. Wow. This is a new book that's come out. I'll be link- linking that to it on, the, uh, on the Friday links and hot shit uh, thread. But um, holy mother of mothers. You know, this is this is all... Everything's anting up. Everything's stepping up. Everything is just just moving there. And there's so much more going on at the States, especially with stuff like the uh, Environmental Protection Authority and the, the climate change and that sort of stuff and what's happening. I mean, it's just... It's like it's all coming to a head. Australia. all let so Europe. Catalonia. So now the leaders of Catalonia and Spain have fled to, fled to Brussels because the Spanish government wants to arrest them for seeking independence. So... This is like this is intriguing. This could be ob- obliquely the start of the EU domino. It could be. And the reason I say that is just like you know, I mean, like don't forget back in the in the Balkans wars of the nineties, um, or let's let's think about Ukraine wanting to secede from Russia. It's all well when we're going to be chop chopping off ukraine or the crimea or something like this or latvia from from russia but chop catalonia off from spain and suddenly it's like we're going to arrest everyone in sight are the eu officials in brussels going to give them sanctuary and how is that going to wash with the spanish government it's just a really, really interesting time, notwithstanding all the elections that have recently happened. Where far right wing politicians have gained power, in, and and anti EU politicians have gained power in countries like Austria, Czech Republic, Australia, Australia. Well, we've got this citizenship debacle of Australian politicians. The section I think it's S forty four of the Australian Constitution states that. Uh, You can't be a federal politician if you're a uh, a foreigner. So if you've got dual citizenship and your citizenship, one of them is British, you've got British and Australian citizenship, even if you're eligible. So let's say, like, my dad was born in Scotland and came out in 1942, and he came out to Australia as a war baby in 1946. So I can get... British passport based now for me to have now I've got the British passport but I got it in 2001 2000 I can't remember for me to have been able to sit let's say before let's say 1999 I wanted to become a federal I wanted to stand for federal parliament in Australia even though at that point I didn't yet have my British passport I was born Australian raised in Australia Australian past all the rest of it I would have had I would have had to have specifically renounced any claim to my British potential British citizenship. Now, I was asked a couple of times if I would be willing to get into politics in Australia. Both times I went no, thanks. Not interested. But I knew That if I had done that, I would have have had to renounce my British citizenship. Now, it turns out that we've got almost a dozen federal politicians that have now been proven by the High Court of Australia last week to be ineligible to be Australian politicians. Personally, I feel that if if you've entered Australian politics under false, false pretenses, you should A pay back every cent that has been paid to you all wages that you have earned as an Australian politician in that time and B, never be allowed to stand for Australian uh, politics again. You've been duplicitous. You've been deceitful. You've proven it once. You're not trustworthy. Off with you. Off. Go away. You're a criminal. You're a criminal you're a criminal for god's sake you can't stand again and yet we're standing again so the labor the liberal government which is a conservative government in australia so no it's confusing a liberal government now have to do by elections with uh, with um the leader of the national party which is a coalition partner um what's his name leader of the nationals he's such a, a fuckwit anyway um, Barnaby Joyce um, and actually I should I'm going to make a note of this I should write a post an article about this so Joyce should pay back all the money and not be allowed to stand again and all of the other one, all of the other uh Senators and parliamentarians who have uh, who have done this, bugger off! Give us the money back! Bugger off! Bugger off! Back to where you come from and be a politician there. So we got that. I, I look. I honestly think. I honestly think that Malcolm Turnbull, the Prime Minister of Australia, is going to be rolled before the year is out. He's gonna. He's gonna lose the prime ministership. Who he will lose it to is the interesting thing. Um, can Tony Abbott come back? I think I think Tony Abbott having a shot at the top job. Tony Abbott is a former Prime Minister that was rolled by Turnbull. I think Tony Abbott having a shot at the job, top job, doing some things well and some things very badly, then being rolled and spending over two years in the wilderness... I think he will have learned a great many lessons in that time. When he was Prime Minister before he tried to work with everyone that he had, he tried to keep everyone happy. I think he's learned his lesson. I see I think he's observed closely what Trump has done and I think he knows that it's crackhead's time. What the Australian public wants now is they want strong leadership and crackhead's time and they want the immigration mess in Australia sorted out no matter how messy it may be they want it done because it's not Australia anymore i think i think Abbott has got a, a chance i don't know if it's a good chance a chance of getting the leadership back and i hope he does because i really think he he, he has learned a lot from his time in the wilderness and who else is there who who else in the liberal party uh, are you going to who julie bishop julie bishop the UN suck hole? Please, please, please. Give me a bath bag. I need a bath bag. Cat, get me a bath bag for the love of God. God. No. But I, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get rolled. He's gonna get rolled. It's all it's all coming to here. It's an interesting time, boys and girls. Very interesting times. Of course that's a Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. All right. Other things, the cynical libertarian, uh, the great one at the Cynical Libertarian Society, who a couple of times we've done, two or three times we've done some podcasts together That's very uh, been a lot of fun. And we are kind of exploring the idea of doing a future podcast on a regular basis together. Uh, he's got a um, podcast up, Anakin Moment 0176, titled more white knighting and why you walk away from cunts hint it's not about respecting them um now the great one is quite unapproachable for a lot of people because uh well he's quite unapproachable uh, and he uses a lot of a lot of foul language now i use a fair bit of foul language but but he really gets into it um you, sh- you should check him out he's got some good stuff anyway Women in the workplace, I'm reading from, this is from his podcast, and this is the, the notes that go with it. Women will throw each other under the bus. Look at the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. All these women went along with his sexual needs because they could benefit from it. Not one woman he abused, molested, fucked, whatever he did that is so wrong, stood up to him or stood up for other women. Because women hate other women, women view other women as competition. End quote. So, oh, no. And and the next line, for years and years women allowed this to happen because they got resources out of the exchange. End quote. Completely true. Complete truth. Female Duplicity 101. Where were the chicks all these years who are going to say something about Weinstein? But here's the other interesting thing. Why are they all coming? Why are they suddenly all... Ju- Apparently there's 80 of them, 8-0, eight 80, have come out to jump on the Weinstein bandwagon. I mean, this guy was a machine. i got to take my hat off to him. Harvey, Harvey, mate. <coughs> High fives and cocktails. High fives. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, come on, 80. And this is where I disagree with the great one. Because his next, his next sentence was this, quote, Only where there was nothing left to gain from going along with Weinstein did a woman push back. Once one woman pushed back, this is why I disagree with him, others jumped on the bandwagon because they are herd animals. End quote. Wrong. Wrong. And apparently the great one is always right, apart from will Trump, Trump win elections. Well, you're wrong on this one as well because you already stated before why women are jumping on the bandwagon now. They're jumping on the bandwagon now because, because women compete with other women and other women are competition. And right now, just as before, they didn't want to miss out on benefiting from the rewards of putting up with Harvey Weinstein's sleazy behaviour, as to now, they also don't want to miss out on benefiting from the re- rewards associated with publicly turning on Weinstein. The behaviour now matches the... Yes, it is herd behaviour, but yeah, it. What is, what is the driving factor behind it? Anyway, I thought this was a really... Good podcast from the great one, and you should check it out. I'll put it in the show notes. Link to the great one's podcast. I get a lot of ideas when I do podcasts. I get a lot of ideas. I should. I only want to do it once a week though, because look, it's like uh, I did an article yesterday on consistency, which uh, got linked around quite a bit, which is nice. Um. And it's the same with the podcast. The blog is successful. I want to say this now um, in the next couple of days, in the next couple of days, I'm going to hit 500,000 views on my blog after two years. Uh, I'm really happy with that. I'm really happy. And 70% of those have probably been in the last year. Um, I'm getting. Well, this month, this month we're we're close to hitting 50k. Very close. This this month is my second best month. Already my second best month of all time. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna tap out at around just under 50k this month. Um, the secret with the blog um, success has been my consistency. I post every day. Though in the last month or so, I've just stopped posting on Sundays. Um, I'm kind of leaving Sundays blank uh, until I can find something on a um, to fill that gap. Um, I want to do a regular post on Sunday, but I still haven't worked out what that regular article should be. Uh, maybe it could be another podcast. Maybe I can do two podcasts a week. I don't know. Um, but it's the consistency anyway, the consistency. Posting every day podcasting once a week on a regular basis. People have to know that you're turning up. There are days when I don't feel like podcasting. God damn it, there are days when I don't feel like writing an article. Yesterday was one of those days. I had to pull teeth to get that consistency article out, which is hugely ironic considering the topic at hand. And it turned out to be a good article, one of my better ones. Consistency, this is my day at the moment. I get up, coffee, I get up early, coffee, Uh Peruse the internet, if it's a gym day, Monday, Wednesday or Friday, it's off to the gym so I can get back by about 9.30. Um, otherwise, it's write something for the blog. If it's a gym day, I'll write something when I get after I get back. Um, then I study my Dutch until lunchtime, then I have lunch. Then in the afternoon, I do a couple of hours work on the book, and then the rest of the afternoon, it's networking. Uh, and other stuff, investigating Dutch society, working out laws for different businesses. I'm interested in opening, blah, 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 blah. Normally finish around 6 o'clock, something like that, sometimes a bit earlier, sometimes a bit later. Uh, and it depends on the day of the week what I'm doing. So it's the uh, Tuesday I record the podcast. This is Tuesday. I put it up on Wednesday. Um, and then, of course, all my other daily stuff to go. But that, that's my... That's my consistent work i'm also consistently playing the guitar again now for the first time wow the first time probably in six years i just didn't play the cu- guitar consistently in australia i just didn't do it and i i, I got the guitars out when we moved when they arrived uh, here in holland i got them out just to make sure that they'd survived the journey intact um and then um I uh, I left them out of the cases. I left two of my two acoustic guitars out of the cases. I put them downstairs so that they're there. And I just I started playing. I'm playing regularly now. I'm trying to play every day, at least half an hour a day. And I've got I'm at the point now where I I feel like I'm getting close to where I was at my peak with the guitar, which was probably about 15 years ago, when I was around this 2019. Um, so that's that's another consistent thing as well. You know, I just it's, you just got. Got to be consistent with this stuff, guys. So many bloggers and writers that I know on the internet, podcasters, that sort of thing. Like, I'm going to. Who can I pick on? I'm going to pick on Moses. Moses Apostaticus. Now, some of you have never heard of Moses Apostaticus. He also writes for XYZ magazine. His real name is uh, David something or other. And he's outed himself now. Um, so he's not hiding behind a thing anymore he's he started a podcast and you know it takes time to build it up and he's he did one episode oh he did the well, first episode then a month later his second episode then 3 months later his third episode and then he did two episodes in that in that time and then another month and then another month again and now nothing for the lo- for 2 months <laughs> You, you can't you can't build up anything like that. You've, you've got to have that consistency of work behind you. Um, so I don't know how I've got that, but I spoke about that in the blog. I think that's all i know. Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> don't ask me. What I'm t- don't ask me what I'm talking about. Don't ask me what I'm talking about. Uh, I did an article today too called... Uh, I got over every topic I wanted to talking about. Annoying banker at party, spoke about him. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah, I think I got the best of it. Uh, I wrote an article today called There Are No Shortcuts. Because Aaron Clary at Arsehole Consulting, who I'll do a shout out to now, Aaron sponsored this blog. Uh, has a business called Arsehole Consulting where you give him a question, you give him money, he'll give you an answer. Uh, you can go to a regular consultant and get lied to, or you can go to an arsehole who will tell you what you need to hear, whether you like it or not. Uh, he also has a bunch of books out, all of which are excellent. Um, I'm, I need to pick up a couple of them actually uh, for various reasons, which I need to talk to Aaron about. That. myself, I'll write that down as well. Ah. Uh, anyway, he had a video out, and uh, uh, to be honest, it's an hour, almost an hour long. I think it's, yeah, it's close to an hour. Um, most of his videos are around fifteen to twenty minutes, to half an hour. An hour for me, it's a big deal. I, I I I watch the whole thing. The the question that came in was from a client, basically said. Um, what's the hardest question that Aaron has had to face in his life? And I really love how Aaron um, thought about this and worked out that his biggest, because I don't know if I'd been asked this question whether or not I would have come up with what Aaron said. But if I had been asked this question, I damn well should have come up with what Aaron said. And that was because I had the same problem. It's like trying to work out when you were a young guy what was wrong with you. What was wrong with me? You know, you, you can't, you, go, go, you, do, you do all the stuff that people have told you need to do with girls, like your mum told you of some fucking shit that, 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 that you see on the on television or whatever, doesn't work. What's, that's the problem must be with me, yeah? There's no, there's no idea that, you know, maybe what they told you was wrong. That's the, because that's the, oh, that's important to realise because you always think, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But if you've been told that in order to get women, you need to worship them and be a white knight and put them on a pedestal and run behind them and be the nice guy and be the sensitive new age guy and all this stuff, and it's not working for you, but that's what you're constantly reiterated, And the girls themselves tell you that's what you want. And you're a guy who is logical because guys are logical as opposed to women who are irrational emotional creatures. Then you're told us all the time. Then you, you start thinking it must be you. I'm doing the right things, but it must be me. That's my problem. I'm the loser. When in actual fact, it wasn't you. It was that the information you'd been told was wrong. And Cappy did a great video on this. Um, Spoke about women, spoke about jobs, like professional stuff. Aaron was saying that he's... uh, he always thought he was a bad employee because he was always getting up the managers. It was so nice to hear that because I was exactly the same. I always thought I was a bad employee because I had more on managers. And I'd be like, you can't do that. We're not doing that. Especially as a rafting guide. Oh, we need you to do this. I'm not doing that. That's dangerous. I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, I'm the manager. Yeah, so get out and guide your boat then yourself. Oh, you can't do that. Do river guides grow on trees? Oh, it takes you uh, close to a year to train someone how to guide a raft without killing people. Eh, eh, sucks to be you. Eh, yeah, I didn't do it exactly like that. Well, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Um, so, so Aaron was, the thing about the video, though was Aaron was like, you know, I wish I'd heard this when I was younger. You, you, you guys, you young guys there t- today, you're hearing this stuff, and you're really lucky, and you are. If you listen to this podcast and you're a young guy and you're getting advice from people like me and Aaron, and there's all these other guys on the internet doing the same thing. Yes, you are really lucky. Generation X, my generation, we were the lost boys. We were the lost generation. Our dads didn't tell us what we needed to hear, what their dads had told them, because our dads had been completely brainwashed by their stupid wives and by society and all the crap that went down with the boomers. Our dads just got the roar and the stick. But they didn't pass us on to us the teachings that we needed. We didn't get it. But at the same time, in the late 70s and the 80s and 90s, or the 80s, 80s, 90s, and maybe early 2000s. Well, in the early 2000s, it wasn't an issue for me. I I'd worked I'd work my stuff out by the late 90s. we were having to do it on our own. There was no internet. It just didn't exist. You could get on the internet and ask people questions. The best you could do for girls is watch guys who were really good with women and totally analyse everything that they did. That's the only option we had. You couldn't even go and ask the guy. You couldn't go up to the guy and ask him and like, "Oh man, you got to give me, can you give me some helps on women because you're just so much better than me." It'd have been like, "Dude, fuck off, working at yourself, stuff, man, you fucking loser." <laughs> oh, Adam doesn't know how to get chicks. Adam doesn't Can you be these twenty-year-old guys, by the way? Adam, yeah, twenty-something. Okay, <laughs> Check out. You won't believe what Adam said. Adam said, "How do I get chicks?" Because he's a loser. He can't get chicks. <laughs> There's no way you'd go up and ask that. You just couldn't do it. It's just not possible. It wasn't possible. You just couldn't do it. The only thing you could do is watch. But on the internet, it was just like, oh, there's a forum with guys. Oh, how do you pick up chicks? Who do you care? They're not going to make fun of you. You're under an alias. They don't know where you live. You don't know where they are. And the message got out. So yeah, you young guys, you know, you Generation X, man, we were the lost generation. We were the ones in the wasteland. But this is where I differ with I don't differ with Cappy, I just don't think he took it to, he addressed this point in his video. The video is brilliant. The point he didn't address is that at one point, point, I'm just gonna check my post here to make sure I get this right, because I wrote it out when it was fresh in my mind. At one point in the video, he, um, he urges young guys do not to take any shit from women. It's just like blow them off if the girls behave badly. And he uses an example of this, this East Indian cute chick who was like, oh, you're the guy that I want to run around. He's like, no, I'm not going out with you. Oh, why not? Because you won't sleep with me. You won't put out. I want sex. Oh, but I'll be, you know, well, we can work up to... No, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing it. And in the video, Aaron gives that advice and he's like, so he's like, you know, just blow them off at the same... You can see that he... He immediately qualifies this because you see him suddenly stop and go. You can't be like an asshole. Chat about it. You just you can't. You, you. And he, he he says himself. You have to be more like Cary Grant. Now the thing that Aaron's talking about of all the the journey he went through to work out what was was wrong with him. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get the chicks? What why why am I? I did the degree, but I'm not getting any jobs. And if I do get the jobs, there's shit. Blah 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 blah. blah. Didn't know that everything that he was told was gold was shit. And he, he examined everything about his life, as did I. He turned over every rock to look after under it. He examined every aspect of his life. His clothes, his hair, his mannerisms, his behaviour, his approaches psychologically, inward-outward. Everything about his life he examined. As did I. This was Watching this video this morning was just like, uh, I'd only got my first coffee and I just watched the whole hour. I didn't move. Seven o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I can't move. Got to keep watching this. Taking notes as I went. A really good video. Watch it. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes as well. Oh, no, you can go to my blog and check out. I'll link. Uh, I'll link my article. No, just go to my blog and check out the article called There's No Shortcuts. And I did the same thing. This is what my first book about is about, pushing rubber downhill. The subtitle, A Journey to Manhood by Whitewater Rafting. I was it was what I was answering the whole book is me answering the question What is wrong with me? That's what it's about. You put a book I put the book out two years ago. I wrote it two years ago. I spent seven years writing the fucking book. And I'm still working out what the book's about. The book's about what's wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with you. But by the time you work that out, here's the key point. You've looked under every rock. You've examined everything. You've modified all your behaviors. You've become good at dressing. You've become good at getting your hair cut. You've become good at being a manly man, doing manly things. You, when you realize, when the veil is lifted from your eyes, you've, you, only, you only have the veil lifted because you've done all the hard work. And that's the point that I think that Aaron missed out. You can't be that Cary Grant unless you've done all that hard work. There are no shortcuts. You can't, as a 20-year-old, watch that video of Aaron or read my blog or listen to this podcast and go, okay, now, right, okay, right, It's it's all bullshit and society is wrong and I'm right. Woohoo! yeah, man, because what you're going to be is what's known as an asshole, a douchebag. These messages, this information that you're getting, is powerful, powerful stuff for you young guys out there. But you have to qualify it. You have to understand that you just can't take the information. You just can't take the information and and magically, boom! It's like whenever you you read stuff about like meditation guru masters and the you know the the great the great. Master and his disciple and teachers and rah, rah 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 rah. There's no shortcuts. You have to turn over every stone. You have to do the work. You have to work this out. But your big advantage for you guys is you know you're not crazy and that you're not alone. Those are the huge advantages that you have. And you're getting the information. You get the information. But you still have to act on it. You still have to act on it yourself. And that can take years, depending on your level of personal fucked up Is it worth it? There was a comment on my article. I've already got a few comments on it. But one from Burned. Burned who agrees with me and Aaron, but he disagreed with me in a couple of things. And one of the things is, I'll just read it here, quote, another thing I disagree with you is a concept of someone, even you or Aaron getting there, there in inverted commas. Since society and you yourself are constantly changing, it's not done by getting there once. There is constantly moving and so should you. Life gets boring when you stagnate anyway. Now at the beginning of his comment, Bant basically stated that he was lucky because he had, an, he had this same epiphany early in life in a slightly different version, but literally from a 10-year-old. So Bernd is the guy that was getting this really, really early. Bernd, what Bernd doesn't realise is what is there for me and Aaron is no longer being filled with chronic self-doubt about wondering what's wrong with me. That's what getting there. Is all about. He, from his comment, seems like he's never had this. If you've never had it, you just you just got no idea. I, I, I in my early twenties, in my late teens, I've been literally frozen to act, into activity. I'd have to get on a bus and and I and I I couldn't ringing ringing the bell to stop the bus filled me with anxiety that people would look at me. In my late teens. I was absolutely fucked up from my stupid mother. My evil feminist fucked fucktard mother, if I'm going to be, be brainwashing, guilt-tripping mother, if I'm going to be absolutely honest about it. So getting there is getting to the point where the veil drops away and now you're free to act of your own power. Now you know. Now you understand. It's not arriving at life. There is no arrival of life. The arrival point at life is, oh, you're dead. But that's what the getting there is all about. Remember that movie Being There with Peter Sellers? Was it called Being There? I think that's the same thing. That's the epiphany. That's where the veil drops. And by the way, it's not even like you wake up and the veil drops away. Like when I was learning Italian, everyone was like, oh, you know, there'll be... I was getting frustrated because it's so hard. And it was like, oh, there'll be that magic morning when you wake up and and you suddenly know it. And I was just kept waiting for that magic morning. There's no magic morning. What there is is like evolution. You evolve from a period of not knowing Italian. You evolve into a period of knowing Italian. And then one day you realise that you're understanding everything quite well, but you've already been doing it for quite some time. And the same thing with arriving... If you're full of self-doubt and you're wondering what's wrong with you, you work on yourself and you work on yourself and you lift every rock and you peer underneath it, and, and you just and you just you take yourself to pieces and you build yourself up again. You unloan all of the shit that's been given you in your life, and it's a gradual post process. And you and then suddenly there's one day where where you understand that it's not an issue anymore. But by the time that you realize that, it hasn't been an issue for quite some time. Is it worth it? Ah, oh, absolutely. I just can't even imagine, for an instant, being back in that mindset, trapped, not back, trapped in that mindset. If I look back, I, if 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 twenty-year-old me walked in now and sat down next to me, I don't know. I I don't even know how I how I'd relate to him and how I'd approach him. I'd have to handle it with kid gloves because. If I'd got this information now that I wrote, wrote about today that Aaron talked about in his video, I still would have had to do everything the same way to get to where I am. I still had to unlearn 15 years of programming from school and from my peers and from my teachers and my parents and family and from society in general through the media and television. I still had to unlearn all of their lies. You just can't suddenly wake up one day and go, oh, it's lies and I'm now I'm going to be Cary Grant doesn't work that way you have to do the hard work and it is hard work but it's harder not to do it look at the guys who are older in their 40s and 50s and 60s commenting on on my pieces on aaron's pieces you see it in the rational mail a lot news new to the manosphere and just and just and just like ah fuck it's like it's one thing It's one thing at the age of 25 to have to to unlearn 15 years of programming. It's another thing to have to unlearn 40 years of programming when you're 55 or something like that. That's another thing entirely. So yeah, it was chronically difficult when I did it, but I just knew it had to be done. I was like, there's got to be more to life than this shit. Surely I haven't been put in life on this earth to suffer like a bastard as much as I'm doing now. So there you go, guys. That's podcast number sixty-two. Uh, thanks for listening to me. If you um, enjoyed this, go to my blog, check it out, subscribe. You'll get every time I, I post something, you'll get a little email saying Adam has posted something. If you like uh, the podcast, subscribe to this as well. Just broken a hundred subscribers recently, and it's staying there. I always get a couple of new ones every time I publish a, uh, a podcast episode because they're like the, as soon as I see something new come up, they're like, I'm going to follow that guy so they follow them. But I never follow those people. I don't follow you. I only follow, I don't, I don't do that. Um, and grab my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Paperback, Kindle, and audiobook, read by Davis Serrini. And Run Guts, Pull Cones, Paperback, and uh, Kindle. No audiobook with that one. Um, tell your friends. About this share it around tell your enemies be good be cool be happy um, and I'll uh, I'll talk to you all next week and let you know how the Maastricht adventure went bye